Turn your Bible, please, to 1 John. I'm sorry, 2 John. 2 John. Hardly anybody ever preaches from 2 John. It's a very important passage of Scripture. I believe it will be a blessing to your heart. 2 John, beginning with verse 1. There are 13 verses, and uh, we have studied 1 John the last several Wednesday nights and on Sunday. Tonight we come to this second epistle of John, one of the shortest books in the New Testament. The elder and the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, not only I, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandment. This is a commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. This chapter is not often preached on and perhaps not often read. It's a very interesting little book. John, the beloved apostle, who had been through the Isle of Patmos, preaching the word, exiled there, somehow was de delivered from that place, spent his last years as, you might say, the pastor emeritus in Ephesus. He was the elder. Now the term elder, as used in the Bible, sometimes refers to an older person who is wise. Sometimes that term refers to an office in the church. Many churches today have what they call elders. Elders and deacons are very similar.
This particular elder does not brag on himself, and most Bible commentaries believe that this elder is none other than John the Apostle. And he's writing to the elect lady and her children. Now the elect lady in Greek has a name, and some people have assumed that John was writing to a lady who was in that church. That could be possible. On the other hand, most Bible commentators believe that elect lady was the church. So it's John writing to the church. We do not know which church it was. It might have been one of the seven churches. It might have been a church we've never heard of. We don't really know who it was. But writes to the church, and those members of the church are called her children. The fact that the term children is used makes some commentaries believe that the elect lady was a woman in the church, and he was writing to that woman and her children, which is a possibility. More than likely, he's writing to the church and the members of the church. He says, I love you in the truth, and not I only, but all they that have known the truth love you. You see, the church is a fellowship of love. One of the ingredients that sometimes is missing in some churches today is the ingredient of love. If it would ever get out on a church that people love each other over there, I think sometimes the church will get filled because people are looking for love. Let's love each other. Stay around a little while after service. You'd be amazed. I stand at the back door. There's a race between five or ten people to get out the back door first. And then there are others after everybody's left. I come in. They're still up here fellowship with each other. Let's do that. Don't be in such a hurry to leave. Stay around a little while and get to know each other. Now, the essentials of a personal walk with Jesus are the things that are mentioned in this little book. Many deceivers ran into the work. The key, the key phrase is, in the truth, the body of revealed truth, which is the Bible. So he speaks of the truth he's talking about the body, the embodiment of truth, which is the Word of God, the Scriptures. Now, I want you to notice three things in this chapter that are worth our focusing on for a few minutes. Verse 2, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever, grace be with you, mercy, peace from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in truth. Son of the Father in truth and love. The truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have known the truth. And John says, I have known you in the truth. I've known you in Jesus. That's how I know you. And you know, when Christians get together, really there are no, no new people. Everybody's a friend. That's one reason we shake hands with each other almost every service. 
just to underscore the fact that we're friends, we're not new to each other, we're friends in the Lord. And John says, the truth dwelleth in us, the truth shall be with us forever. What a wonderful thing to say about Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the truth, He is the way, He is the life. He is the Word of God. The living Word, the written Word is the Bible. The living Word is Jesus Himself. And John is magnifying the truth which is Jesus. He said, I know the Word, I know the truth, and you're walking the truth. Now, notice in verses 4 to 6, John expresses great gratitude. Look at that. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And what commandment do you think he's talking about? Jesus reduced the Ten Commandments to two commandments. You know the Ten Commandments. First four deal with our relationship to God. I shall have no other gods before me. Don't make a graven image to God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So on. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The last six deal with our relationship to each other. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet and so on. Now the Lord summed all that up by saying, when somebody said, what is the great command? He says, here it is. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment. But a second is like that, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so the commandment he's talking about is the commandment that you heard from the beginning of Jesus. Jesus taught this by example and by precept. No one ever loved like Jesus. The love of God exemplified at Calvary can never be sung enough, nor written enough, nor experienced enough. When you come to know Jesus, remember this, whoever you are, whatever you were, you're a new person in Christ. Next Sunday in Sunday we're going to talk about David. David had some problems in his life. He's the boy that wrote the shepherd psalm when he was a young boy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
David wrote that when he was a young man. How would David ever commit adultery? How would David ever have Bathsheba's husband put to death on the battlefield? David, a Christian? When we had the Crossroads Rescue Mission, I met several people down there that thought they could never be forgiven. One man talked about the people he'd killed over in the war in Asia and some other things he had done. He said, God could never forgive me for all that. I'm going to die and go to hell. Some of our young people went down there and loved him. One day they found him down on the ground drunk with their white shirts on and ties. You don't have to dress like them to be like them or to win them. With their white shirts and ties, they got down to the gutter, lifted that man up, and said, God loves you, and we do too. That man gave his heart to Christ. Could God ever use him again? God used David. That's what he's saying here. When love comes to your heart, love never ends. Love is the end of the end of life. You go as far as you can away from God. You suddenly meet God, He turns you around, and you go the other way. That's what repentance is. I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. You meet Jesus at the cross. You turn around. I'm going to heaven. People on that same road are still trying to drag you back down and tempt you and do everything they can. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit enables you to keep on keeping on for Christ. The commandment is not new. It's a fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. Jesus reduced those Ten Commandments to two commandments. Love the Lord thy God. Love others as you love yourself. The third thought in this passage is in verses 7 to 11. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not. Don't let him into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. What a warning. Many deceivers. Now I want to tell you there are two kinds of deceivers. Theological deceivers and application deceivers. Try to remember that. Theological deceivers are those who deceive you about the Word of God and who God is and who Jesus is. When somebody comes to your door and knocks on the door and wants to talk to you about the Bible, ask them this question. Rather, 
matter of fact, before you ask them a question, say, you know, I want to tell you something. I'm so glad you came to see me. Don't be rude to them. I love them. Love never fails. And just reach out to them and say, I'm so glad you came to see me. I want to tell you something. Something happened to me, glorious, a long time ago. Jesus Christ came to live in my heart. He saved me. I'm on my way to heaven. How about you? They'll leave. Because they don't know anything about that. You get them in your house, have a Bible study. This says don't do that. Isn't that what this says? Don't do it. Theological deceivers. There are bunches of them. Theological deceivers. We have a new invasion in America. And you won't like what I'm going to tell you. The invasion of the Muslims. A Muslim will tell you, I believe in Jesus. Just like a Mormon will tell you that, or a Jehovah's Witness will tell you that. They all believe in Jesus. What do they believe about him? They don't believe he's God. They don't believe he's the Son of God. They don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't believe he can give you eternal life. They don't believe he was born of a Virgin Mary. They don't believe anything the Bible says. And the Muslims in their mosques are teaching Sharia law. And ladies, how can you allow that to happen to your families? Under that kind of law, a woman is less than nothing. If a woman gets abused, you know what they do? They praise the man. They take a woman out here, put her in the sand, and throw rocks at her and kill her. That's the law. Says, don't. Have in your house. Now, be nice to them, love them, give them a Bible, love them for Christ, have prayer with them. They're all around us. Some came to my house a few months ago, and uh, there were two together. I recognized who they were. They didn't know I knew who they were. So I went out on the porch. I said, I'm so glad to see you. I'm just thrilled you came to see me today. Thank the Lord. I want to tell you something. It's time to have me. Jesus Christ came in my heart and changed my life, and he saved me. Has anything like that happened to you? And I walked away. They can't take that. But if you allow them to come into your house and give you proof text scriptures from the Bible, they'll try to convince you. This scripture says, notice what it says. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine of God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Receive him not in your home, neither bid him God's feed. Theological deceivers. Wait a minute. There are application deceivers. What in the world does that mean? 
That means Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that true and acceptable thing of, of, of God. Let the Lord dwell in your heart richly by faith. Let him teach you from the inside how you ought to dress, how you ought to walk, how you ought to talk. And God will guide you. These are application deceivers. There's some that say, it doesn't really matter what you dress like, what you look like, what you talk like. You're a Christian, you're free. Legalism tells you you have to run by certain rules. That's all legalism. That's a lie. You know what legalism is? Legalism tells you how to be saved. That you have to be baptized to be saved. You have to join a church to be saved. You have to turn over a new leaf to be saved. You have to walk a narrow walk to be saved. That's not true. Saved people are free to serve God. They're free to love the Lord with all their heart. They're free to honor God, to walk with the King in the light of His Word. The application deceivers, they take the Word of God. That doesn't really mean that. You know when Peter was writing that passage, listen to what he said. He, he didn't mean this, but listen to what he said. He said this. Wives, be subject to your own husband. Let them behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Adorning, let it not be with the outward adorning of plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold or the putting of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That doesn't really mean that. That was for 2,000 years ago. We're in modern times today. Don't you watch television? Don't you watch all the stuff that comes on TV and internet, all that stuff? Be, be, be like everybody else. That's what the application deceivers say. This book says, now listen to them. When you walk with the king in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. He that abideth not in the doctrine hath not God. Can't get much bolder than that. Listen. The secret of whether you're saved or not is A-B-I-D-I-N-G, abiding. Now, it's possible to get cold toward the Lord. But the Holy Spirit inside of you is not going to let you say, I don't care anything about Jesus. If you do, he'll convict you. He'll hurt your heart. If you can do that and it doesn't hurt your heart, 
keep in mind you've probably never been saved. Because saved people can't live like that. Jesus is their king and their prince. Our time is up. I could go on and on. Did you know all that was in this chapter? 13 verses. Tremendous little book. Be very careful how you live. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God in all of its authority and power. Help us to obey it and to listen to it, to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. One fifty-five. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. As we sing this great old hymn, let Jesus have his way with you. If you need to come and pray, do that. If there's a recommitment you need to make, do that. But listen, if you're here and you're not saved, you're not sure you're going to heaven when you die, don't leave without Christ. Come and let us pray with you and talk to you. Are we saying, do what God says?